Section 11, chapters 36 and 37 of The Three Sisters by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter 36. That night, about nine o'clock, Gwenda came for the third time to Rowcliffe at his house. She was shown into his study where Rowcliffe was reading. Though the servant had prepared him for her, he showed signs of agitation. Gwenda's eyes were ominously sombre, and she had the white face of a ghost, a face that to Rowcliffe, as he looked at it, recalled the white face of Alice. He disliked Alice's face. He always had disliked it. He disliked it more than ever at that moment. Yet the sight of this face that was so like it carried him away in an ecstasy of tenderness. He adored it because of that likeness, because of all that the likeness revealed to him and signified and it increased quite unendurably his agitation gwenda was supernaturally calm in another instant the illusion that her presence had given him passed he saw what she had come for has anything gone wrong he asked she drew in her breath sharply it's alice yes i know it's alice is anything wrong he said what is it i don't know i want you to tell me that's what i've come for i'm frightened do you mean is she worse she did not answer him she looked at him as if she were trying to read in his eyes something that he was trying not to tell her yes he said she is worse i know that she said impatiently i can see it you've got to tell me more but i have told you you know i have he pleaded i know you tried to tell me didn't i succeed you told me why she was ill i know all that do sit down he turned from her and dragged the armchair forward there he put a cushion at her back that's better as she obeyed him she kept her eyes on him the book he had been reading lay where he had put it down on the hearth-rug at her feet its title Etamontal de Zisterique, Janet, stared at him he picked it up and flung it out of sight as if it had offended him with all his movements her head lifted and turned so that her eyes followed him he sat down and gazed at her quietly well he said and what didn't i tell you you didn't tell me how it would end he was silent is that what you told father hasn't he said anything he hasn't said a word and you went away without saying anything there isn't much to say that you don't know i know why she was ill you told me but i don't know why she's worse she was better she was quite well she was running about doing things and looking so pretty only the other day and look at her now it's like that said rowcliffe it comes and goes he said it quietly but the blood rose into his face and forehead in a painful flush but why why she persisted it's so horribly sudden it's like that too said rowcliffe if it's like that now what is it going to be how is it going to end that's what you won't tell me it's difficult he began i don't care how difficult it is or how you hate it you've got to all he said to that was you're very fond of her her upper lip trembled yes but i don't think i knew it until now that's what makes it difficult my not knowing it no your being so fond of her isn't that just the reason why i ought to know yes i think it is only she held him to it is she going to die i don't say she's going to die but in the state she's in she might get anything and die of it if something isn't done to make her happy happy i mean of course to get her married 
after all you know you've got to face the facts you think she's dying now and you're afraid to tell me no i'm afraid i think she's not so likely to die as to go out of her mind did you tell my father that yes what did he say he said she was out of her mind already she isn't of course she isn't no more than you and i he talks about putting the poor child under restraint oh it's preposterous but he'll make it necessary if he continues his present system what i tried to impress on him is that she will go out of her mind if she's shut up in that old vicarage much longer and that she'd be all right perfectly all right if she was married as far as i can make out he seems to be doing his best to prevent it well in her case that's simply criminal the worst of it is that i can't make him see it he's annoyed with me he never will see anything he doesn't like there's no reason why he should dislike it so much i mean her illness there's nothing awful about it there's nothing awful about ally she's as good as gold i know she's as good as gold and she'd be as strong as iron if she was married and had children i've seen no end of women like that and i'm not sure they don't make the best wives and mothers i told your father that but it's no good trying to tell him the truth no it's the one thing he can't stand he seems said rowcliffe to have such an extraordinary distaste for the subject he approaches it from an impossible point of view as if it was sin or crime or something he talks about her controlling herself as if she could help it why she's no more responsible for being like that than i am for the shape of my nose i'm afraid i told him that if anybody was responsible he was for bringing her to the worst place imaginable he did that on purpose i know and i told him he might as well have put her in a lunatic asylum at once he meditated it's not as if he hadn't anybody but himself to think of that's no good he never does think of anybody but himself and yet he'd be awfully sorry you know if ally died they sat silent not looking at each other until gwenda spoke again dr rowcliffe he smiled as if it amused him to be addressed so formally do you really mean it or are you frightening us will ally really die or go mad if she isn't happy he was grave again i really mean it it's a rather serious case but it's only if as i told you there are scores of women but she waved them all away i only wanted to know her voice stopped suddenly and he thought that she was going to break down you mustn't take it so hard he said it's not as if it wasn't absolutely curable you must take her away suddenly he remembered that he didn't particularly want gwenda to go away he couldn't in fact bear the thought of it better still he said send her away is there anybody you could send her to only mummy my stepmother she smiled through her tears papa would never let ally go to her why not because she ran away from him he tried not to laugh she's really quite decent though you mightn't think it rowcliffe smiled and she's fond of ally she's fond of all of us except papa and she added she knows a lot of people he smiled again he pictured the third mrs carteret as a woman of affectionate gaiety and a pleasing worldliness so well surrounded by adorers of his own sex that she could probably furnish forth her three stepdaughters from the numbers of those she had no use for he was more than ever disgusted with the vicar who had driven from him a woman so admirably fitted to play a mother's part she sounds he said as if she'd be the very one she would be it's an awful pity well he said we won't talk any more about it now we'll think of something we simply must get her away 
he was thinking that he knew of somebody a doctor's widow who also would be fitted if they could afford to pay her and if they couldn't he would very soon have the right that was what his we meant presently he excused himself and went out to see he said about getting her some tea he judged that if she were left alone for a moment she would pull herself together and be as ready as ever for their walk back to garthdale it was in that moment when he left her that she made her choice not that when her idea had come to her she had known a second's hesitation she didn't know when it had come it seemed to her that it had been with her all through their awful interview it was she and not ally who would have to go away she could see it now it had been approaching her her idea from the very instant that she had come into the room and had begun to speak to him and with every word that he had said it had come closer but not until her final appeal to him had she really faced it then it became clear it crystallized there was no escaping from the facts ally would die or go mad if she didn't marry ally though rowcliffe didn't know it was in love with him and even if she hadn't been as long as they stayed in garthdale there was nobody but rowcliffe whom she could marry it was her one chance and there were three of them there three women to one man and since she was the one she knew it who stood between him and ally it was she who would have to go away it seemed to her that long ago all the time in fact ever since she had known rowcliffe she had known that this was what she would have to face she faced it now with a strange courage and a sort of spiritual exaltation as she would have faced any terrible truth that rowcliffe had told her if for instance he had told her that she was going to die that of course was what it felt like she had known that it would feel like that and as sometimes happens to people who are going to die and know it there came to her a peculiar vivid and poignant sense of her surroundings of rowcliffe's room and the things in it the chair he had sat in the pipe he had laid aside the book he had been reading and that he had flung away outside the open window the trees of the little orchard whitened by the moonlight stood as if fixed in a tender pure and supernatural beauty she could see the flags on the path and the stones and the grey walls they stood out with a strange significance and importance as if near and yet horribly far away she could hear rowcliffe's footsteps in the passage it came over her that she was sitting in rowcliffe's room like this for the last time then her heart dragged and tore at her as if it fought against her will to die but it never occurred to her that this dying of hers was willed by her it seemed foredoomed inevitable and now she was looking up in rowcliffe's face and smiling at him as he brought her her tea that's right he said he was entirely reassured by her appearance look here shall i drive you back or do you feel like another four-mile walk she hesitated it's late he said but no matter let's be reckless there's no need i've got my bicycle then i'll get mine she rose don't i'm going back alone you're not i'm coming with you i want to come if you don't mind i'd rather you didn't tonight. i'll drive you then i can't let you go alone but i want she said to be alone he stood looking at her with a sort of sullen tenderness you're not going to worry about what i told you you didn't tell me i knew then but she persisted no i shall be all right she said there's a moon in the end he let her have her way moon or no moon he saw that it was not his moment chapter thirty seven what gwenda had to do she did quickly 
she wrote to the third mrs carteret that night she told her nothing except that she wanted to get something to do in london and to get it as soon as possible and she asked her stepmother if she could put her up for a week or two until she got it and would mummy mind wiring yes or no on saturday morning it was then thursday night she slipped out into the village about midnight to post the letter though she knew that it couldn't go one minute before three o'clock on friday afternoon she had no conscious fear that her will would fail her but her instinct was appeased by action on saturday morning mrs carteret wired delighted expect you friday mummy five intolerable days they were not more intolerable than the days that would come after when the thing she was doing would be every bit as hard only her instinct was afraid of something happening within those five days that would make the hard thing harder on sunday mrs carteret's letter came her house she said was crammed with fiends till friday there was a beast of a woman in gwenda's room who simply wouldn't go but on friday gwenda's room would be ready it had been waiting for her all the time hadn't they settled it that gwenda was to come and live with her if things became impossible at home robina supposed they were impossible she sent her love to alice and mary and she was always gwenda's loving mummy and she enclosed a five-pound note for she was a generous soul on monday gwenda told peacock the carrier to bring her a bradshaw from rayburn she then considered how she was to account to her family for her departure she decided that she would tell mary first and she might as well tell her the truth while she was about it since if she didn't mary would be sure to find it out she was sweet and good not so sweet and good that she couldn't hold her own against papa if she was driven to it but sweet enough and good enough to stand by ally and to see her through it would be easy for mary it wasn't as if she had ever even begun to care for rowcliffe it wasn't as if rowcliffe had ever cared for her and she could be trusted a secret was always safe with mary she was positively uncanny in her silence and quite superhumanly discreet mary then should be told the whole truth and nothing but the truth her father should be told as much of it as he was likely to believe ally of course mustn't have an inkling mary herself had an inkling already when she appeared that evening in the attic where gwenda was packing a trunk she had a new bradshaw in her hand peacock gave me this said mary he said you ordered it so i did said gwenda what on earth for to look up trains in why is anybody coming does anybody ever come mary's face admitted her absurdity then she made it out almost with difficulty somebody must be going away how clever you are somebody is going away mary twisted her brows in her perplexity she was evidently thinking things do you mean stephen rowcliffe no dear lamb what on earth had put stephen rowcliffe into mary's head it's not as bad as all that it's only a woman in fact it's only me mary's face emptied itself of all expression it became a blank screen suddenly put up before the disarray of hurrying eager things unclothed and unexpressed i'm going to stay with mummy gwenda closed the lid of the trunk and sat on it perturbation was now in mary's face you can't gwenda papa'll never let you go he can't stop me what on earth are you going for not for my own amusement though it sounds amusing does mummy want you well whether she wants me or not she's got to have me for how long mary's face was heavy with thought now i don't know i'm going to get something to do to do 
mary said to herself then certainly it was not amusing she pondered it is it she brought out because of stephen rowcliffe no it's because of ally ally yes didn't papa tell you about her not he did he tell you no it was stephen rowcliffe and she told mary what rowcliffe had said to her she had made room for her on her trunk and they sat there their bodies touching their heads drawn back each sister staring with eyes that gave and took the other's horror don't molly don't mary was crying now does papa know that she'll die or go mad yes but mary lifted her stained face that's what they said about mother if she had children it's if ally hasn't any and papa knew it then and he knows it now how awful it isn't as awful as stephen rowcliffe thinks he doesn't really know what's wrong with her he doesn't know she's in love with him poor ally what's the good he isn't in love with her he isn't now said gwenda but he will be not he it's you he cares for if he cares for anybody i know that's why i'm going oh gwenda mary's face was sombre as she took it in that won't do ally any good if you know he cares i don't absolutely know it and if i did it wouldn't make any difference and if you care for him that doesn't make any difference either i've got to clear out it's her one chance molly i've got to give it her how can i let her die poor darling or go mad she'll be all right if he marries her and if he doesn't he may molly he may if i clear out in time anyhow there isn't anybody else if only mary said papa had kept a curate but he hasn't kept a curate he never will keep a curate and if he does he'll choose a man with a wife and seven children no he'll choose no children the wife mustn't have a chance of dying gwenda do you think anybody knows they did you know before and it was awful nobody knows this time except papa and stephen rowcliffe and you and me i wish i didn't i wish you hadn't told me you had to know or i wouldn't have told you you think stephen rowcliffe would have told me how oh, could he it was awful of him he could because he isn't a coward or a fool and he knew that i'm not a coward or a fool either he thought ally had nobody but me she'll have nobody but you when i'm gone you mustn't let her see you think her awful you mustn't think it she isn't she's as good as gold stephen rowcliffe said so if she wasn't molly i wouldn't ask you to help her with him gwenda you mustn't put it all on me i'd do anything for poor ally but i can't make him marry her if he doesn't want to i think ally can make him want to if she gets a chance you've only got to stick to her and see her through you'll have to ask him here you know she can't and you'll have to keep papa off her if you're not very careful he'll go and put her under restraint or something oh would it come to that yes papa'd do it like a shot i believe he'd do it just to stop her marrying him you mustn't tell papa what i've told you you mustn't tell ally and you mustn't tell him do you hear molly you must never tell him of course i won't tell him but it's no use thinking we can do things gwenda stood up we haven't got to do things that's his business we've only got to sit tight and play the game gwenda went on with her packing it will be time enough she thought to tell ally tomorrow ally was in her room she never came downstairs now and this week she was worse and had stayed all day in bed they couldn't rouse her but something had roused her this evening a sort of scratching on the door made gwenda look up from her packing ally stood on the threshold she had dressed herself completely in her tweed skirt 
white blouse and knitted tie her strength had failed her only in the struggle with her hair the coil had fallen and hung in a loose pigtail down her back slowly in the weakness of her apathy she trailed across the floor ally what is it why didn't you send for me it's all right i wanted to get up i'm coming down to supper you can leave off packing that old trunk you haven't got to go who told you i was going nobody i knew it she answered gwenda's eyes i don't know how i knew it but i did and i know why you're going and it's all rot you're going because you know that if you stay stephen rowcliffe will marry you and you think that if you go he'll marry me whatever put that idea into your head nothing put it it came it shows how awful you must think me if you think i'd go and do a beastly thing like that like what why sneaking him away from you behind your back when i know you like him you needn't lie about it you do like him i may be awful she went on in fact i know i'm awful but i'm decent i couldn't do a caddish thing like that i couldn't really and if i couldn't there's no need for you to go she was sitting on the trunk where mary had sat and when she began to speak she had looked down at her small hands that grasped the edge of the lid their fingers picking nervously at the ragged flap they ceased and she looked up and in her look a look that for the moment was divinely lucid gwenda saw ally's secret and hidden kinship with herself she saw it as if through some medium once troubled and now made suddenly transparent it was because of that queer kinship that ally had divined her however awful she was however tragically foredoomed and driven ally was decent she knew what gwenda was doing because it was what if any sustained lucidity were ever given her she might have done herself but in ally no idea but the one idea was very deeply rooted sustained lucidity never had been hers it would be easy to delude her i'm going gwenda said because i want to if i stayed i wouldn't marry stephen rowcliffe and stephen rowcliffe wouldn't marry me but i thought i thought what did you think that there was something between you papa said so if papa said so you might have known there was nothing in it and isn't there of course there isn't you can put that idea out of your head forever all the same i believe that's why you're going i'm going because i can't stand this place any more you said i'd be sick of it in three months you're not sick of it you love it it's me you can't stand no ally no she plunged for another argument and found it what i can't stand is living with papa ally agreed that this was rather more than plausible End of section 11. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.